You have to change your thinking because if your thinking is not changed, the path, the, or the path to making, to, to, to having an understanding of what this Jesus the Messiah is going to bring goes through a change in the way your thinking is operating. Really, really interesting. And then, of course, Jesus comes. The only message he ever preached was the message of the kingdom. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Footnotes sometimes say, The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. And this was a, a theme in Jesus' teaching. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. These signs will follow those who believe, who believe, who trust internal realities. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Hurt, hurt them, excuse me, hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If you notice too, when he would do miracles, then after he would do miracles, I've been there. I can I can identify with those disciples, but hopefully we we can learn to profit. That you know, they do a miracle, and he goes, "Let's go to the other side," and it's like stormy. He stands up and he goes, peace. <laughs> and it, the, the writer, I, think, I believe it's Mark, he goes, they had not understood the miracle of the loaves. Hadn't understood what happened. Hadn't understood that they were supposed to shift their thinking by what they saw. Mark, John chapter 6. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may, do, may, may work the works of God? Great question. And I love it that he answers it because in his answer, he's telling us that you can do the works of God. Jesus answered and said to him, this is the work of God. That you believe in him who he sent. He says, what's the foundation here? If you're believing us correctly, you can act like God. Amen. John chapter 11, verse 40. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these, because I go to my Father. Amen. Notice too, we love him, right? Because he first loved us. But you have to believe that love for you. First John 14, verse 16. And we have... Known. That word know is like intimate knowledge. It's, it's, it's to sexual intimacy there. We have known. So again, it's not a theory here. We have known and what? Believed. We have known and literally it's not a distortion of that scripture to say. We have known intimately and we have chosen to put our complete confidence in God. In that love. <laughs> We really messed up today. Oh, I know he loves me. Yeah, he's a legalistic fellow too. I don't know, you're worshiping. I love you, Lord. You screamed at your kids before you came here. I know he still loves me. <laughs> Doesn't mean you deny reality. That's religious too. That is one of the worst religious things ever. I'm fine. No, you're you're hurting. 
the man of great faith did not deny that his servant was tormented. He just denied it's the ability to stay tormented. It's not great faith to not talk about it. Now, but faith is this. It says we have come to know and believe. We've come to know and believe. Belief, scripturally speaking, biblical faith is not the agreement with an idea. It's very, very important, especially in this culture. I mean, I have people, uh, they will tell me, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe, yeah, I made Jesus Lord, and, you know, I believe he's good, bad, you know. But their life has no demonstration of that. Now, that's between them and the Lord, but here's what I do know. If you walk with the Lord, it says you should have some fruit. And you shouldn't be saying perverted things. So biblical faith is not acknowledging that something is true. I can go, it's kind of like this. Uh, let's say there's a bridge that goes to my hotel tonight. I go, yeah, I know. It's, that's Bridge West. Call it Bridge West. That bridge exists. I have not placed my faith in that bridge until I get in a car and go over it. So I can acknowledge something exists, come into agreement that that's a reality, but never put my confidence in it. You can even, you know, like, oh, I, God is my provider. You know, <laughs> like I, I realize you don't, you don't really realize it until you're a place to really do that. So biblical faith is not in agreement with something. Biblical faith is making corresponding choices as though it's so. Amen. The, the wonderful passion of God is this, though, that He is intricately interested in bringing us into the experience of complete freedom in Him, delivering us of every wrong thought process, delivering us of every dysfunction, delivering us of ideas we thought were true, but weren't true. Shame and guilt done in the name of God. It, I just realized this too, not realized this, but this is a truth I've come to note, that each of us come into the kingdom of God with beliefs and experiences that shape our worldview. That's why... That's why poverty is a, 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 just a, a nasty, ugly thing. I notice a lot of the people in the body of Christ, especially in America, who preach against poverty, they got money. It's really interesting. Like, we hate those prosperity preachers, and they're prosperous. That's interesting. <laughs> got quiet with that one. <laughs> it really is true. I know one guy's like, that guy makes good. I know how much he makes. He's talking against those prosperity guys. <laughs> Again, apparently he believes in prosperity for himself, not for you. <laughs> That's even worse tragedy. It's kind of like those people that say what's happening on Wall Street right now is not nice. We believe in the market, just not like this. Because it always worked in our favor. <laughs> you can't do that. You're not supposed to be making that much money. <laughs> You're too stupid. Just take your $1,200 check and shut up. You know? 
those nervous laughs. It's absolutely true. <laughs> like, listen, we've been praying, we've been playing with your pension fund for 30 years now. We only have three yachts. How can you short us on this money? Well, anyway, different subject, but but no, this is, this is uh, let me go back to that point. This is why it's a nasty thing. Because when you are completely impoverished, when I, I, and, I, and I've worked with people like this. Uh, a year, years ago, I worked for a week in this, this housing project in the Philippines. Literally don't know where dinner's coming from. When you're living at that place, it is very difficult to think beyond that day. And it's very difficult to take inventory of your, your thought process, where you're going, how, because you are in survival mode. It's actually the, 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 the data actually shows that, that most people who, are, who are, are, are living in very traumatic and difficult situations are not thinking about the future. And one of the, one of the values as believers is that you are, you're to be always supposed to be forward thinking. That's why that's a nasty thing. It's a terrible thing. It's an absolutely ugly thing. Why anyone could think that poverty is from God. That is nasty. Why would you ever want anyone to live like that? And so one of the goals is for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to teach us to think like Him. Unless one is born again, he cannot see Taste and see. That's why encountering the beauty of the Lord is so important because it defines the lens by which you view reality. Amen. Unless one is born again, he cannot perceive the kingdom of God. What is in the kingdom of God? Righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. You could be like, I mean, Paul displays this brilliantly. He's in prison. He's like, let's, let's worship. Joseph, in prison, goes to the butler and the baker. Why are you sad? Makes me think he's probably not sad, even though he's in a really bad spot. Even as Americans, we have to identify these truths. You know, Americans, I'm going to get the job done. Don't pull me up by bootstraps. We need to get it done, we'll get it done. Kingdom of God doesn't work that way. <laughs> Kingdom of God is, he's your source of all things. Amen. And sometimes when you want to do stuff, you go, nah, I don't do that. But it's not going to, you know, I need to do it. You know, I, I. <laughs> Let me help you. You're, whether you know it or not, God, like to be, God would like to be in partnership in everything you're doing right now. And he doesn't take, I've noticed, he does not take commands from Abner. <laughs> I came in culturally as an American, worked hard. My dad came to this country in 1969, escaped communist Cuba. Side note, nobody's going there for their free health care or college. No wall either to get in there. Nobody's trying to get in. But taught the value of hard work. And then I was a wrestler from the time I was seven years old till the time I was 23. So you have these values that are put inside of you. Not bad, all of them. There's some really good values that was put inside of me. But there are some 
other values are a little off. And so we take the values that we've had and we, pro- and we project them often onto things in the kingdom. And one of the, the, the most liberating things that God wants to help us do as believers is to teach us how to be delivered of every incongruent thought. And sometimes there are simple things. I remember, um, uh, it's probably been 10 years ago. Well, let's go back a little further. I don't know. I just keep getting younger and younger. (laughs) But my my dad is my hero. He really is. People are like, who's your spiritual dad? My dad. My dad's a man of God. Taught me things by... And I've noticed this too as I've thought of how I have learned values. A lot of the things that I learned that were very godly, that function in my life today, my parents never sat down and said, this is how you do it. They simply lived it in front of me and I picked it up because I was in that bloodline. It's impartation. What, you know, you can't, you can't receive an impartation from people that's not really in them. But I'm praying one day, you know, Lord, I want to change the world. Give me an anointing to change history. All good prayers, all good prayers. <laughs> And he goes, he said to me, you're trying to be a success in ministry because you're trying to prove to your dad you can be a success. I need you to get delivered of that. He didn't say it like that, but I understood what he was saying. Good idea. You want to do well. Right destination, wrong motive. He wants to heal you of that. I remember in high school, I didn't accomplish a certain athletic goal. And every time I thought about it, there's like this, eh, not a good feeling, but it was like pain. I thought about it. I didn't dwell on it. So I'm praying one day. <laughs> here, here comes the Lord. He goes, you know, I was there that day. You lost that match. I loved you. I cared about you. I loved you before you ever won the match. Healed me of that pain. See, these life situations bring things into our life that we still carry that unless we, become, we, unless we do not become aware of them and give them over to the Lord, they will affect the lens by which we view reality and connect to God. And it's not like, uh, you know, I'm not like waking up every day, okay, what's wrong with me? It's just in this continuum of walking with him of being in relationship with people. And here's the big one that you'll have to overcome. Everything you need to shift you to become a healthy, strong, mature person in Christ, to be everything that God it wants you to be, you're, you will not receive it just between you and Him. People are like, I, 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 you know, God's never told me that. Well, He's been telling you through your husband for like the last 20 years. The voice of God will come through other people and it's up to your humility and posture whether you'll receive it. So we have these things we call ungodly beliefs. Beliefs are lies, lies about ourselves, about others, and about God. A belief is a conviction and a persuasion that develops over a period of time that we see the world from our own unique perspective. A belief or an ungodly belief is not necessarily based on fact, but on what we have experienced and learned. 
A belief system is a set of lenses that contains such things as beliefs, decisions, attitudes, agreements, judgments, expectancies, and inner vows. There are people, because they have been rejected in their life, here's what the enemy will do. They're rejected by a parent, rejected at, uh, for advancement at work, rejected into the school they wanted to get into. They, they, they begin to carry rejection on them and they will project it to the world around them. They will project it when they come into a gathered community like this. They might not even say anything, but because of what they carry, people will not be drawn to come to them, to connect with them, and they will continue to live in this self-fulfilling prophecy that nobody cares about me. Because again, your internal belief system define the world that you live in. Uh, years ago, Youngy Cho, uh, 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 biggest church in the world at that time. I don't know if it's still biggest church in the world. I know he's given it over to somebody else. But uh, he came to the United States to preach, and he was preaching at a church in the Northwest, and um, very large church, I, I think faith background in this church. And he preached, I think, multiple Sunday morning services. He finished ministering, and he asked the pastor, he said, how many doctors do you have in your church? And the guy thought for a while, a large church. The guy said, oh, we don't have any doctors. And he goes, well, it's your fault. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, good Koreans are straight up people. I like that. So he said, uh, he's, he's, he said, it's your fault because somewhere in your heart you have a judgment against medicine thinking that the best way that they can receive, people can receive healing is only through faith or through laying on of hands. So if a matter, you may not ever articulate it with your mouth, but you, you will at some point. You know, when some people said, this is, you know, I'm saying this, but it's not about this, it's usually about that. Because it's already convicting them. But he says that, and he says, and he says somewhere in your heart you have this judgment, and you think that, Really, the most spiritual way to be healed is through, through prayer or laying on of hands or the Word of God. And so people in the medical profession, or doctors in this case, will come to your congregation and they will not feel welcome. You may never say it from the pulpit, but there's something in your heart that goes forth into the atmosphere and you do, you, you, they do not feel welcome. They say, I'm not going back to the place. I don't know why, I'm just not going back. That's just not my place. Because you are projecting as a leader into the room that environment. Ungodly belief. As the Holy Spirit sanctifies our minds, our belief system begins to change from a mixture of mostly ungodly beliefs to more godly beliefs. Godly beliefs are statements in agreement with God, His Word, His character, and His nature. Ungodly beliefs are not in accordance with the Word of God, His character, and His nature. Though ungodly beliefs are false, they may appear to be true based upon our experiences. For example, no one loves me. I am all alone. I am defective. Or I should just give up. God just, you know, I does somebody else who just won't do it for me. God doesn't love me. Now, here's an interesting one that I observed in the last year. We'll get more into this here. It's gotten very quiet. It's good. <laughs> Somebody texted me this. So, like, hey, check this out. 
You know, Kobe Bryant is coming on a year, right? He died. Something like that. I was there the night he drafted. I didn't really follow his career, but obviously pretty brilliant career. ESPN interviewed Tracy McGrady, I believe. You can look it up. I think it's still on YouTube last time I looked. And the lady starts interviewing him. Oh, tell us. You know, I knew Kobe since we were little kids. And this is what Kobe said even when he was in high school. He said, I want to I have a legacy in basketball. Had what he said. And I want to die young. And I thought, he had what he said. He's had what he believed. Well, I mean, I don't know. Unless he repented. I, I, you know, doesn't appear he did. But it's words and things we believe. In fact, I don't believe the lady was born again, but I remember, well, she said, well, didn't he love his kids? Because she even felt like, oh, there's something really insightful about what he just said and wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, he loved his kids. Yeah, he wouldn't want to die now. No, who wants to die when they're 41 or whatever? Ungodly beliefs come from childhood hurts, traumas, negative experiences. Make a strong impression on us. For example, a father who misses all the ball games or birthdays or parties or never there for the child. Ungodly beliefs can come from the natural or unredeemed mind or experiences and hurts. So here's what happens. I, we, I call this the belief expectation cycle. Experience leads to the formation of beliefs. I'll never get ahead. I can't ever do that job or I can't ever get this degree. So now you have a belief system. Or I'll always, I'll always, I can't, you know. And you got to be careful because sometimes we'll actually mock ourselves. I can't even walk by the buffet table without gaining six pounds. And the demons are gone. Yes. I'll keep them tormented. <laughs> got quiet with that one too. Holy Spirit wants to fill people. Demons want to fill people. No, it's absolutely true. The moment you get born again, God has made a way for you to be delivered of all your traumas. Some people go, I don't, I don't need to talk about all this stuff. I'm good. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. Say I lead somebody to the Lord tonight. Brother A, lead him to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother gets saved. But he's got a major back problem. He gets saved, filled with the Spirit. You're like, he's still got a back problem. Did Jesus die for the back problem? Absolutely. But you have to appropriate by the revelation we know to that area of his life. But the reason the enemy fights this thing is because when you tell people there's nothing going on with you, that demon goes, excellent, now I got a theology to keep him bound in that thinking. I know not everyone agrees with me, but I'm right on this one. (laughs) 
Our beliefs cause us to have certain expectations and the expectations govern our actions and our behavior. Our behavior affects other people. Now, here's a really big one. This is why I believe in deliverance and inner healing ministry so strongly. I often see this with married people. They love each other. It's the will of God they get married and their demons will be attracted to each other. <laughs> At least I got somebody who thinks it's true. So here's what happens. They get married, it's awesome, and then their demons try and kill each other. And the thing, and often it is a strength in that person that's supposed to be a great blessing to you in that marriage context. But because it's distorted, or because it's coming through the wrong filter, and you go, and you go, Here's some common ungodly beliefs. No matter how hard I try, it will not be enough to please God. God is waiting for me to make a mistake. I feel the pleasure of God when I'm doing the right thing. You can feel the pleasure of God anytime. God cares for others more than he cares for me. Here's one where uh, I can usually identify somebody has really lost hope in an, in an area. It's happening for everyone else. How come it's not happening for me? I'm telling you, read that story of Joseph. If there's ever anyone who could have chosen to be a victim, it could have been Joseph. And I'm not dismissing any trauma, any pain that you've gone in your life, but I am saying you, you don't have to live in that place. You don't have to stay in that place. Amen. He is the great reconciler. You've been abused your whole life. He'll redeem you. Not only redeem you, completely restore you. You don't have to live with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, come from a family of drunks. Addiction is broken. Yeah. Come from a family of people who never graduated high school. You can get a doctorate degree. Yeah. Come from a family of people who start stuff but never finish it. You can become that finisher. Here's some ungodly beliefs. I don't belong. I'll always be on the outside, left out. My feelings don't count. No one cares what I feel. No one will love or care about me. Here's a common one. If, I, if they really knew who I was. I'll always be lonely. I will isolate myself so I won't be vulnerable to hurt, rejection anymore. Often, We will be living in judgments that we have actually declared about ourselves in response to a trauma. Somebody hurts us. If we get hurt among the believers or a leader hurts us, this, that. I'll never let a, a leader hurt me like that. I love God, but I don't like the leaders, you know. <laughs> so what happens? That judgment in your heart cuts you off from the blessing a leader can be to you. I remember I was talking to this one leader and my heart jumped back. He said, I'll never allow myself to be vulnerable like that again. 
you knew the real me, you'd reject me. I must wear a mask. That's probably not a good one these days. <laughs> so people won't find out how horrible I am and reject me. Now here's another one. I've messed up so badly, I've messed up God's best for me. I'll never get credit for what I do. My value is in what I do. I'm valuable because, I'm, I, because I do good to others, because I am successful. Even when I do give my best, it's not enough. I can never meet the standard. Here's another one. This is one I have trouble with, so I practice the fruits of the Spirit. I will choose to be passive in order to avoid conflicts that would risk others' disapproval. Oh, here's, here's a common one. I get delivered to this one. I have to plan every day, and I have to continually plan and strategize. I can't relax. The perfect life is one in which no conflict is allowed. There's just peace. I'm unattractive. God shortchanged me. I'm doomed to have certain disabilities. They're just part of what I inherited. I'm not competent or complete as a man or a woman. My mom always makes me angry. My brother's always bringing this up. I'll never have enough money. Just seems like everything I do just never works with that. I try and hear from the Lord and obey and just doesn't work out. I'll never be known or appreciated for my real self. Here's another common one. I'll never change to be what God wants me to be. I've wasted a lot of time and energy some of the best years of my life. Turmoil is normal for me. That's how it always is in relationship with me. You know, I start, I'm really nice, and then, you know, they just... They, <laughs> Here's something I would encourage you to do. If you see constant patterns in certain areas of your life, you may really want to bring that to the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you not to spiritualize your dysfunction. Here's such a good news. God does his best work when you're willing to admit reality. Well, you know, I'm, like, I'm a forerunner. I'm very prophetic. The church, a lot of people can't really handle where I'm going. No. I'm not saying certain people can't handle it, but sometimes we spiritualize our dysfunction. That, you know, that's why I don't have any friends. No, you don't have any friends because you're mean. <laughs> we don't want to spiritualize our dysfunction. You know, and it, it's so powerful. You're like, yeah, you know, I've made this, I've realized I keep making this mistake. I realize I need deliverance in this area. I realize I need to shift that thinking. Now, here's the big one, too. When you identify the ungodly belief and renounce it, we'll do that tonight. As you walk it out, what you will discover is how that ungodly belief affected the lens by which you related to other people. 
That's where the renewal of the mind has to come in. I'll tell this from my own life. Uh, it's been about two years ago, and I'm just on this journey. I, again, I don't wake up every morning going, what's wrong with me? <laughs> oh, he tells me. <laughs> it's really good, you know. <laughs> I, had a, I had a meeting with someone last Sunday, and uh, you know, like, you know. And I had to go right into another meeting. And I go, I shouldn't have said that, right? He goes, no, it was Saturday. He goes, that's right, you shouldn't have said that. Okay. What was going on there? Oh, you had a judgment against that person because they annoyed you. That's why the moment they came up, so I repented. Talked to the person I talked to about. So you know. But about uh, two years ago, just going, Lord, what you got? Showed me. Showed me. It's uh, April 2019. In this retreat. Showed me this scene from when I was a little, little, little boy. I thought, I hadn't thought about this in years. He goes, when that happened, this spirit of rejection came in. I'm going to get rid of it today. But I've been unpacking how that impacted the relationships I had. He'll guide you into all truth because his passion is for you to think in freedom. Do I believe everything is a demon? No. Lots of things are. though. If you have an overwhelming compulsion when you want to do the right thing to keep doing certain things that you know are ungodly, there's probably a demon in there. Doesn't mean you're a demon. Just means you have a creepy crawler that needs to go. I believe another part of this word that the Lord's given me is that... um, Sometime in October, I'll, maybe I'll read the rest of it tomorrow, but the Lord said to me, he goes, what I'm doing in the earth right now, the enemy cannot stop. This is the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit the world has ever seen. It's being birthed now. And at the heart of it is a people who have a revelation of my name. And so part of this process is that just in this, like, Here's, here's what a little bit of prophetic intercession looks like. Lord, we just pray for this issue. And then you go, and then he goes, yeah, you're part of that issue. Okay, Lord, Lord, forgive me. So it's this process of pursuing the mind and the heart of God, not only for our lives, but for the world around us, that we recognize all did this not, I call it happy repentance. It's not like he's like shaming you. And, and here's another thing that the Lord really spoke to me. God is really proud of his people right now. It really is. It's really like, like it's not really hard to pick up what's wrong with the church. <laughs> you know, like, people like, I'm prophetic. No, you just open your eyes, you know. But, 
there is a whole remnant of people in the earth who are after the heart of God. And all in the best way we know how, we're trying to serve him with all our heart. And in that place, he's gone. You keep going, guys. There's a group of people who came out of whatever pandemic, I call it plandemic. <laughs> whatever, you know, they came out of that. It was an opportunity to turn again and to do the right thing and to act correctly. And I'm telling you, God is pleased with his bride right now. It's not that he doesn't go, oh, we could, we, we all know there's areas we need to shift, but he is pleased with his people. But also I know we get to move at an accelerated pace when we admit the shifts in mindset that we need to make to agree with him. Because he is coming back for a roaring, glorious line of the tribe of Judah church in the earth.